0: I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that He is living, whatever men may say. I see His hands of mercy. I hear His voice of cheer. And just the time I need Him, He's gone. A
1: so much, choir. Take your copy of God's Word and turn again, if you would, to the book of Ephesians, the sixth chapter, and this is the next to the last study. Uh, We'll be here today, and then God willing, we'll finish up our study next week, and then we'll look at something different for back to church Sunday, and then we'll probably launch into another new series we'll announce in a little while. Ephesians chapter 6, we're back there today, where we found out so far... And been reminded of the fact that we have a real enemy. Satan, the devil, wants to destroy our lives. The Bible says he walks about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And if he can't destroy us, he certainly wants to harm us and hinder us in any way that he can. He wants to rob us of our joy, rob us of our victory. He wants to hinder the work of... Of the Lord in our lives and the work of the Lord through our lives. And as believers, we're involved in a spiritual battle. Now, I don't know if we hear enough talk about that today, that we're in a spiritual battle, but it's the case nonetheless. And it's not with flesh and blood, it's not primarily here with people. We think, oh, if it was just get this settled, no, it is with demonic forces. And we're seeing that here in our study. Now, if you're wondering what this looks like in a day-to-day, on a day-to-day basis in your life, and how this kind of fleshes itself out, as I was studying uh, for this, I ran across a few examples from Ray Pritchard. I'll, I'll put them on the screen and share some of these with you. And, and these may be these may be spiritual battles that you're facing. In your life, And so here are some examples. We'll just kind of talk through these really quickly. Uh, as you think about spiritual warfare, here are some ways it may flesh itself out in your life. First of all, unusual or repeated temptations. You're just living and it seems you have unusual or repeated temptations. They're just coming very strong in your life. Uh, attacks from an unexpected quarter. Uh, something comes up, some, some battle comes up and it was unexpected. It was, it was certainly unwanted, but it, it appears in your life. Delays that hinder us from obeying God. God has called us to do something and, and God has laid upon our heart to carry out some ministry or to share the gospel. And, and delays come and we just can't seem to navigate or get around them. That may just be spiritual warfare going on in your life. Inducements to doubt God's Word. We know that that's what the devil loves to do. In fact, when he first came to Adam and Eve, did he not attack the Word of God? Yea, hath God said. And so, inducements to doubt God's Word. How about circumstances that produce unusual pressure upon us? I mean, you're going through life and all of a sudden something comes up and, and maybe out of the blue and there's tremendous pressure upon you and you feel like you're living in a pressure cooker. Uh, temptations to sin in areas that never troubled us before. I mean, this is an area, we all seem to have maybe those areas in our life where we're we're tempted more than maybe somebody else would be and they have their areas. But all of a sudden, you're tempted in areas that you've never been tempted before. Here's one the devil loves to use in our lives. uh, Prolonged bouts of discouragement. I mean, just... Things maybe are not going well in your life, or maybe things are going well, but you just are focusing upon the negative and you find yourself just discouraged a whole lot. How about this one? Worries that consume us. Worries that consume us. You just can't shake it. You pray about it, it just keeps coming back. You pray about it again, it keeps coming back. It keeps you up at night. It keeps you tossing and turning. Worries that literally consume us. Uh, seductive appeals to sinful compromise. Uh, uh, things come along and, and all of a sudden you think, well, I, maybe I should just maybe fudge a little bit here or do that. And that's not the norm for you, but, but you're kind of tempted to kind of compromise in some areas. Uh, bitterness toward others. Somebody maybe did you wrong and, and, and you, well, I forgive them, but then maybe deep down in your spirit, in your, in your heart, you, you're really battling bitterness toward them and, and what the situation is. Desires to give up on the Christian life. I mean, you, you seek to live the Christian life, and you seek to pray and read your Bible and live for Christ and share Christ, and you just you just want to sometimes say, "Well, you now what's the use? I just keep failing. I keep messing up. And maybe I should just give up." A few more excuses made for lack of spiritual growth. Um, you just instead of just admitting that you have some things you need to get right with the Lord, you just Continue to excuse them and find more and more excuses. Uh, Critical comments about other believers. Critical comments about other believers. You begin to focus upon other people and and you become very critical in your spirit and you're just focused upon them and, and that just goes on in your life. And then attempts to hide your behavior from others. That is, you're doing wrong and you know you're doing wrong, but you just attempt to kind of cover that up. You know, spiritual warfare is very difficult for many reasons, many reasons, and, and I think a lot of times as believers, we're dealing with spiritual warfare and we don't even recognize it. We're just struggling along. I, I remember just in, in recent, maybe two to three weeks in my own life or the last maybe upwards of a month, there was a season where I just was dealing with something and and struggling with something, and I just couldn't seem to shake it, and it finally dawned on me, this is spiritual warfare. This is the enemy at work. And beloved, we need to understand that, of course, not all problems come from the devil and his demonic cohorts. Some trials come upon us because we live in a a sin-cursed, broken world. And so we're not going to always point the finger and say, well, that's the devil behind that. No, not necessarily. Sometimes it's just living in a... Broken, sin-cursed world. We also know the Bible says we don't have to give in to the enemy and his temptation. The Bible says that God always provides a way of escape. First Corinthians ten, thirteen. And so, as believers, we don't have to yield to these temptations. But the reality is that some of the struggles and trials and temptations that we face in life, they're a direct result of an attack from the enemy. It is spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare. So the question is, what do we do? Because we don't want this. We didn't choose this. A lot of times it appears, it seems out of nowhere. We don't like it, but we still have to deal with it. What do we do? Well, we must stand and resist the enemy, but not in our strength. No, we have to stand and resist the enemy and the power and the strength of the Lord. And we need His protection. And we need to put on the whole armor of God. That's what we're going to talk about today, the armor of God. Now, really, this is part one of a two-part message because we're going to look at each piece of the armor, and we only have so much time. We're to look at part of the armor today, and then, God willing, we'll cover the rest of the armor next week. But you have your copy of the Scripture open by now, I hope, to Ephesians chapter 6. I'll begin reading at verse 10. Read down through verse 24. Finally, my brethren... Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. See, notice the focus is his strength, his might. Now, notice what it commands us to do. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, the trickery, the cunning, the stratagems of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We mentioned that earlier but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. So we notice already, we're not running away, we're standing, we're resisting, not in our might, not in our power, but His, putting on His armor. Now let's look a little bit closer here. Verse 14, stand therefore. Notice the theme. Withstand, stand, stand, resist. Stand therefore. Now here's some of the pieces. Verse 14, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, for which I am an ambassador in chains. That, I may, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. But that you also may know my affairs and how I am doing. Tychicus, a beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord. Will make all things known to you. Whom I have sent to you for this very purpose. That you may know our affairs. And that he may comfort your hearts. Peace to the brethren. And love with faith from God the Father. And the Lord Jesus Christ grace be with you all. Or, excuse me, grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Amen. I've got to be honest, I've wrestled with understanding this passage over the years. The armor of God has just been one of those areas where I personally struggled somewhat in fully understanding. Um, maybe you have some of those subjects in school where you're really um, good at, you really excel in them. Uh, for me, it's not math. That's like one of my hard subjects, and I, I made it through school. Other subjects are easier for you. It may be the opposite. You may love math. But when it comes to the armor of God, this has just been one of those areas in my life, personally as a Christian. I've kind of struggled with fully understanding exactly what is the Lord talking about here. But I've made progress. I made more progress in studying for today. And so, may that be an encouragement to you, because sometimes we read passages of Scripture and we just kind of say, well, what exactly is he talking about here? Well, we're going to make progress together in understanding this. Now, boys and girls, listen. The armor that's being talked about here is not literal metal armor. That's the first thing you need to understand. He's not saying go out and find a suit of armor. And put it on. Now, I know in the picture that we have today, uh, you see a soldier and he's arrayed in metal armor. And so we automatically kind of think that way. But the truth of the matter is this is not literal armor that we're putting on. In fact, this is a metaphor. Now, I know school's starting back tomorrow. And the truth of the matter is most of us who are done with school still are going to stop and say, what's a metaphor? Well, let's talk about what a metaphor is for a moment. Just is refresh your course in our English grammar. A metaphor is a figure of speech that describes an object or an action in a way that isn't literally true, but helps to explain an idea or make a comparison. You say, well, that's really clear. No, it's not. Well, let me just give you an example. So we might say something like this. Bill is an early bird. Now, what do we mean by that? Well, what we don't mean by that is that Bill is a literal bird. We're not saying that Bill is a bird and he goes out early. That's not what we're saying at all. We're saying that Bill is an early bird. What that means is we're saying Bill, like a bird, gets up early and goes about what he does. Bill is an early bird. It's a metaphor. And here in the armor of God, we have a metaphor. So these are not literal pieces of metal armor we're putting on. No, this is describing, comparing trying to help us understand better what this is. As believers, we're supposed to take up each one of these pieces of armor, not metal armor, but these spiritual pieces that God has given to us, these these pieces of preparation, and stand against the enemy, the devil. Like a soldier would take up his armor and his shield and his sword, we're to make sure that we're preparing ourselves spiritually. And so... He kind of lists out these different areas. So let's understand what he's talking about. We're going to go through them piece by piece. And I think as we talk about it, it'll make more sense. There's so much against here. We're only going to get through part of it. But let's look at it here. Six pieces are mentioned specifically. First of all, we're to put on the armor of God. We're to take the belt of truth. The belt of truth. Verse 14, having girded your waist with truth. When it came to the soldiers, this was a belt or a band they would wear to help secure everything and hold everything in place. That's what we do with belts today, isn't it, guys? A lot of us, we wear the belt to secure everything and hold everything in place. For the Christian, it is the belt of truth. It's not a literal belt that we put on that has truth written on it. No, it's a picture of putting truth around us. Well, what is truth? Well, certainly this would include truth, that is the truth of the Word of God, the truth that God has revealed uh, about Himself in the Word of God. But you know, when the battle is raging in our lives and we're facing this spiritual warfare, when times are tough, we need to be reminded of the truth. We know that God is perfect. We know that He is all wise. He is faithful. He is just. It doesn't always appear that way, especially in the heat of the battle when the enemy is attacking us. He's in full, complete control of our lives and our world, but it doesn't always feel that way when the enemy is attacking us. And that's why we need to make sure that we put on the belt of truth, that we surround our lives with the truth of the Word of God, the truth that God has revealed about Himself. The truth! We need to know the truth. We need to speak the truth we need to live out the truth. We need to surround ourselves with the truth of the Word of God. This is not just knowing truth about God. It's also living out truth in our own lives. This would include living lives of, in, of integrity, lives of truthfulness. Listen, if we're going to resist and stand against the enemy, the devil, we need to stand and resist him in the truth. We've got to walk in the truth. He's a liar. In fact, the Bible calls the devil the father of of lies, He is a liar. He's a bald-faced liar. And in this wicked world, think about it, beloved. We are lied to all the time. Let's just be honest about it. Are you like me? You hear the news or you read the news. Don't you think like I do sometimes? Is that really the truth? Because so many things are warped today. So many things are twisted today. So many things are kind of coerced to their point of view. We're just lied to over and over and over again in our world. Our life is filled with lies. We live in a world of lies. And as believers, we dare not be guilty of that ourselves. When things are not going well, when you're having spiritual warfare going on in your lives, the enemy may come along and begin to whisper lies into your spirit. In other words, you might be struggling along and you don't know what's going on and it seems that everything's dark and things are not going well and the enemy may whisper into your spirit something like this, God has left you. You're on your own. God's given up on you. God's left you. You're on your own. But what's the truth? The Bible says that the Lord says what? I will never leave you nor forsake you. You've got to counter that lie with truth. Um, You may have really messed up. I mean, you've sinned. And in your mind, we would say you've sinned big time. You've really failed. And you you may be thinking, and the the enemy may plan in your mind, God doesn't love you anymore. God doesn't love you anymore. Look what you've done. Look how you've failed. Look how you've sinned. Look at what you've done. But what's the truth? The truth says what? The Bible says what? Nothing can separate us from the love of God. You see, it's countering the lies of the enemy with the truth of the Bible, the truth from the Word of God, the truth from God Himself. Beloved, we can't live out the truth on our own. We've got to have the help of the Holy Spirit, and He will help us. We've got to surround our life. We've got to put on the belt of truth. And by the way, in our world, where we're constantly being bombarded with lies, I mean, I think about even growing up in my time. My boys tell me, my two older boys, especially how old I am. They love to tell me how old I am. And um, I'm older than I used to be, but I just think about my life. I don't think I'm that old, but in their mind I'm old. But I just think about my life. I, so I'm, I'm, I'm 46, so I think about this, and I think about how much things have changed in my 46 years. And I tell them, you know, and I'll joke sometimes saying, you know, uh, uh, I'll talk about texting when we were growing up. We didn't text when we were growing up. We didn't have a cell phone. We didn't have a phone with us. Glory, glory. Wasn't that wonderful? You could leave and nobody could find you. Nobody could get in touch with you. You just went and nope, just to bother you. Find out when you get home. They'll come looking for you. They'll, they'll just drive around and find you if they need you. But otherwise, you're on your own. But we're not that way anymore. We're wired all the time. And what, what's that mean? Well, we're always connected. And so back in our day, think about your growing up days, if you wanted to be exposed to maybe the news of the day, what did you have to do? You had to get a newspaper or you had to watch the news. And, and unless you were really talented to program the VCR, which most of us couldn't, you, you had to, you had to watch, catch the news broadcast live, right? And, and, and were you all like mine when the weather came on? you parents, shh the weather's on, you know. you got to know what the weather's going to be. But you had to make an intention you know, you had to kind of put yourself in. So you got the newspaper, you'd read the newspaper, maybe a magazine, remember that? And you had to be and watch the news. It might come on at 6 o'clock. I and mean, now it's 24-7. But you had to be intentional and put yourself under that, and you would be exposed to it, and you'd go about your day. And maybe somebody might tell you something they heard about on the news, or they might tell you something they read about in the newspaper. But now that's not the case. Now at a moment's notice, we get spent... All kinds of information. We have it with us 24 seconds. We've got a cell phone. And we're on there. We're at the news stuff. We're here. Here's this news. There's news. And it buzzes. And it tings. And it pings. And all this stuff. And we're constantly being bombarded with information. And the truth of the matter of, uh, is this. That the enemy's behind a lot of that. Because it's reports about what he's done. What he's doing. The evil. The wickedness in our world. And we're constantly being bombarded with that. And then on top of that, it's telling us what? You need to have this to be successful. You need to have that to be successful. And on and on it goes. And it's not all true. There's a lot of lies in it. And that's why you've got to surround yourself with the truth. You've got to know the truth. You've got to speak the truth. You've got to live out the truth. But the reality is, you really need to speak the truth to yourself. You've got to tell yourself the truth. You've got to preach to yourself. You begin to feel like the enemy comes along and says, God doesn't love you anymore. Oh, nothing can separate me from the love of God. Oh, you're condemned. You, you're in trouble now. God's given up on you. Romans says there's that, therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Oh, He won't forgive you for that. Well, the Bible says, if I confess my sins, He's faithful just to forgive me my sins and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I've got to speak truth. We've got to surround ourselves with truth because the lies are constantly coming. Not only the belt of truth, we've got to hurry because I want to get through these pieces, also the breastplate of righteousness. That's what's mentioned next. The breastplate, it covered the chest and the vital organs, especially the heart of a soldier. So you think about a very important piece of the armor here. Now remember, this is not literal armor. He's not saying go out and put a metal plate on your chest. No, it's the breastplate of righteousness. We have the righteousness of Jesus Christ. The enemy may come and say you're condemned. But what's the truth? There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. In the heat of the battle, we need to remember that we have the righteousness of Christ. He accomplished everything necessary to forgive us And cleanse us and purchase for us a home in heaven. As we often sing, nothing in my hand I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. And because I have been made righteous in Christ, through Christ, I can now live a righteous life through Christ. Because of Christ, I don't have to live a life of despondency or discouragement and defeat. I'm more, the Bible says, I'm more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ who loved me and gave Himself for me. See how the truth changes things? And now this is the breastplate of righteousness. I can walk in victory. Why? Because I have the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Remember, we're not fighting for victory. We're fighting from victory. Jesus Christ has already defeated sin, death, hell, and the grave. Satan is defeated and doomed and destined forever to spend in the lake of fire. And so we can walk in victory because we have righteousness in Christ. We're on the winning side. And we've got to remind ourselves in the heat of the battle it's not my righteousness, it's Christ's righteousness. I have on the breastplate of righteousness. It's because of what He's done, not because of what I've done. All my righteousness is filthy rags. I failed, I fumbled, I sinned, I, I rebelled against God. I was dead in my sin, but He gave me His righteousness and I now have the breastplate of righteousness and I can stand in victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. We're on the winning side. It doesn't always feel that way. It certainly doesn't appear that way, but that is the truth. We're on the winning side. We have the belt of truth. We're surrounding our lives with truth. we have the breastplate of righteousness. We're recognizing that we have the righteousness of Christ and the victory that comes with it. And then there are the shoes of gospel peace. Now, I know we've got all kinds of shoes in here today. We've got pay hey dudes. We've got loafers. We've got sandals. We've got all kinds of shoes. But I hope a lot of people are wearing the shoes of gospel peace. They tell me that Roman soldiers would wear shoes And uh, the sandals that they wore had spikes or nails driven through them. That is on the bottom. I kind of think about it kind of like cleats. You ever wear cleats? Cleats have what? They have spikes on the bottom. And why do we have those? Well, so when you're sliding in the second, you can take... No, 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 that's not why you have it. The reason you have cleats is to make sure that you have grip. I like the word gription. I don't think it's a word, but you have gription. You have traction. That is, you're not sliding all around. When you use those cleats, you can kind of have stable, sure footing. And you know what? We cannot stand against the enemy. We cannot stand against the devil if we're slipping around all over the place. And so it sounds a lot like ancient cleats, if you will. And remember, these aren't literal cleats. They're not literal sandals, not literal shoes. No, this is a spiritual picture. We are not to be shaky and wobbly in our beliefs. This is talk about the, the, the shoes of gospel peace. Now, what is the gospel? The gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The Bible clearly states that we were sinners, doomed and destined for a Christless eternity in hell, and we were hopeless, but Jesus came and He Lived a sinless, perfect life. He shed His precious blood. He died on the cross. He was buried. He rose again victorious. And if we put our faith in Christ, we repent of our sin and put our faith in Christ, we can have eternal life. And there's no other way. It's the shoes of gospel peace. And so the, gospel, the battle may be raging, but we can stand firm in our gospel cleats, if you will. We can stand firm upon the gospel. That is, we are saved. No matter what else is going on, we're saved. And because we're saved, we're settled. We're sure. We're not wobbly. We're not shaky. Because, listen, life is hard. And what an encouragement it is to know as I stand in the, the gospel shoes of peace that no matter what's going on in my life, I'm stable. I'm secure because of the gospel, because Jesus Christ is my Savior. No matter what happens, no matter what I face, no matter what the enemy brings against me, I can stand in the power of the Lord and the gospel shoes of peace. We don't have to shake, we don't have to shudder, we don't have to stumble. We're to stand, remember, we're to stand in Christ. I couldn't help but thinking about gospel shoes. The Bible says that we're to be taking the gospel to others. And it describes the feet of those who take the gospel to others. And it says that they have beautiful feet. Beautiful feet. Now, I'm not a feet person. Maybe you are. And I don't know how many beautiful feet we have in here, literally speaking. But I hope we have a lot of Beautiful feet in the Gospel sense. And that is, you're taking the Gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we have the belt of truth. We're surrounding our lives with the truth. We have the breastplate of righteousness. We stand in Christ's righteousness. We have victory in Christ. We have the shoes of Gospel peace. That is, we can stand solidly and and surely upon the fact that the, the Lord Jesus did everything that was necessary. I'm not keeping myself saved. I'm not working to be saved. None of that. I stand upon the gospel. I, I live in the gospel. I, I, I conduct my life in the gospel. I stand against the enemy in the gospel. He's done it all. One more. We only have time for one more. That is the shield of faith. The shield of faith. Ephesians chapter six, verse sixteen above all, above all taking the shield of faith, which you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Um Back in that day when the soldier would take up his shield, um, of course it was there to help protect him. I learned that sometimes the soldier's shield, that piece he would hold, was actually covered in leather. And they would sometimes soak the leather in water. And the reason they would soak, soak that shield, the reason they would soak that shield, y'all say that three times, that's hard. The reason they would soak that shield in water is because then when there were fiery darts that were launched against the soldier, as they would use the shield against the fiery dart, that soaked leather would help to extinguish those fiery darts. Now, we've already said that we don't have a literal shield. This is a spiritual shield. we have a real enemy, Lucifer, Satan, the devil, and his demonic partners. And they're firing darts at us, if you will, And they do it quite often. And they do it without warning. They launch darts of temptation and darts of discouragement and darts of lies. They tempt us with anger and lust and envy and pride and laziness and the like. They are devious, they are deceitful, and they're downright mean. They attack us when we're up on the mountain they attack us when we're down in the valley. They attack us when we feel like we're strong and we feel like we're weak. They, they, they just attack and they're firing those darts at us. And with this barrage of attacks, we need, we need the shield of faith. Say, so what is the shield of faith? I like what Weirsby said. He said the faith mentioned here is not saving faith. It's not the faith that we exercised in Christ to be saved. No, it's rather living faith. It's a trust that in the promises and the power of God. McDonald said it even better. Faith here is the firm confidence in the Lord and in His Word. When temptations burn, when circumstances are adverse, when doubts assail, when shipwreck threatens, faith looks up and says, I believe God. That's what faith is living faith. I believe God. Things may be going wrong in my life. I may be under spiritual attack. Things are not going well. I believe God! He'll never leave me. never forsake me. He's working together all things for my good and His glory. He loves me unconditionally. He has my best in mind. He's working to make me more like the Lord Jesus. I don't understand all that, but I believe God! I take the shield of faith. When the enemy comes and says, oh, if you would just do this... If you just give in here, you'd have a better life. No, I believe God. I use the shield of faith. It's okay to fudge here and do that. No, I take the shield of faith. I believe God. I'm going to stand with the shield of faith. You know, sometimes it looks hopeless. We have to have the shield of faith. God never lies. God never fails. God is never late. Even when it looks like all is lost, God is still on the throne. God is victorious. God is at work in our lives. Now, we didn't finish today, and I knew we wouldn't, but we'll come back, God willing, next week and look at the rest. But I want you to get that paper that looks like this, and I'll walk through this real quickly with you. This is just a tool we want to give you that you can use to help you to put on the armor of God. And you'll notice it's called Pray on the Armor of God. And there's a prayer guide here, as you're looking at the paper to the right, that you can use to help you to pray on this armor. Now remember, it's not literal armor, it's spiritual armor. And so let's just walk through just the top half and we'll, we'll deal with the latter half next time. But you can begin using this right away. I want you to notice these prayer prompts as you're praying to the Lord. Maybe tomorrow morning you can begin doing this. And as you're praying, you can use these first four and you can use the others as you'd like. But we've covered these first four today. Notice it says to the right, equip me, Lord, with a belt of truth. Here's how you might pray that. May your truth rule in my heart and be in my mind and on my lips today. We're focusing upon truth. May your truth rule in my heart and be in my mind and on my lips today with the breastplate of righteousness. Apart from you, there's no righteousness, but through Jesus I've been born again and made righteous in your sight. May I live today as a righteous person. You've made me righteous. Help me to live as a righteous person with the feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. May I reflect the gospel in my words. May I reflect the gospel in my actions That through me with my every encounter, others may be drawn one step closer to you. All we're doing is taking what the Bible talks about here is these various pieces and praying them back to the Lord, asking him, would you work these out in my life? Help me to live this way. Help me to live in faith. Help me to live out the gospel. Help me to trust you. And then we'll just look at one more with the shield of faith. May I take you at your word concerning promises about the present and future. Promises of everlasting love, abundant life, and so much more. And if you're an overachiever, you want to go on what we'll cover next time. You have the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit and the attitude of prayer. Well, friend, I hope that you realize that we're in a spiritual battle, but God has not left us alone. He's equipping us. He's helping us. May we take up the whole armor of God, put it on, and stand and withstand the enemy and the power of God. Father, help us to understand and to live out this truth that you've given us here at Ephesians. Help us, Lord, to surround our lives, to put on the belt of truth, to believe the truth, to speak the truth, to tell ourselves the truth. Help us, Lord, to remember the breastplate of righteousness that it's not in what we've done, it's in what Christ did. He's accomplished all that's necessary. Father, help us to have our feet ready with the gospel, realizing that we stand upon the gospel. That is, it's not what we've done, it's what Christ accomplished. But help us to live out the gospel and share the gospel of others. And then, Lord, help us to take up the shield of faith this week to quench all the fiery darts of the enemy. As he tempts us, as he comes against us, may we stand against him and resist him with the shield of faith. And then, Lord, as we continue studying, help us to understand more and more just how wonderfully you've equipped us to withstand the enemy. We pray this in the powerful and wonderful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, let's sing in closing today. Six hundred and fifty-seven. As always, the altar is open. If we can help you in some way, if you want to come pray, you need to be saved. We'd love to help you with that. But I thought, well, what would be a good song to close with? Well, I think this one: "Stand Up, Stand Up for Jesus, Ye Soldiers of the Cross." So let's stand together and sing six fifty-seven: "Stand Up, Stand Up for Jesus."
0: Fourth verse, would you stand up, stand up for Jesus? The strife will not be long. This day The next, a victor's song.